Hello and welcome back to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson. Joining me in a bit will be Tim Phillips. Tim will take us into our first movie review of, I don't know, is it a new season? New year? I don't, I don't know. We took two weeks off, so we're into new episodes now. And we're back! We're doing new episodes, and that's a cause for celebration, isn't it? Also, school's back next week, so uh, a lot of reasons to celebrate. There's an election on. Um, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, the heat and humidity is finally broken. And we can live semi-comfortably again. So much celebrating. End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new high-concept rock opera Annette, which you can now stream on Amazon Prime. That will be in the second half of the show. For the first half, we are going to consider, as soon as I look at the right side of the page, or my notes are on, uh, the fall preview, a preview of the fall movies coming up in the next four months. Now, uh, I hope you're chiseling this in stone, because a lot can happen. There's already been at least one instance of a movie moving back because of the Delta variant in the U.S., um, that is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. It is still coming out sometime this fall, as it stands right this very minute as I'm recording this. But, 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 but um, it was supposed to come out in September, and now it's going to come out in October. And if you pay attention to people who have eyes and ears in the studios, um, they're apparently already talking about maybe moving it to January. Um just because of, of the Delta variant. It's so weird how, you know, a couple of months ago, the U.S. was so far ahead of us. They were having movie theaters open, no limits. Everybody was happy going to the movies again. And now, you know, we're we're kind of there in Canada. And the U.S., I mean, not that we're not having our issues, too. We're seeing case counts go up as well. But this isn't the show for talking about um, COVID cases. This is a show for talking about movies. So we're going to talk about... What's coming up? This is part one of the fall preview. There will be a part two next week. So this is going to be September and October. And we start off September with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is, of course, the next Marvel Universe movie. It is directed by uh, Destin Daniel Cretton. And it is stars uh, Simu Liu as, um, well, he's like a super-powered martial arts guy. His His father is the Mandarin, although that has been changed from the comic book um but you know it's it's going to be an action-packed adventure it certainly looks fun i my my hope is that it's something that's going to be able to stand alone and not be so reliant on the greater marvel universe although my hopes were dashed when the last trailer came out and there's like two marvel characters very prominent in that trailer um boring is all I have to say to that. I would just like one of these things to have a beginning, middle, and end, and not be a sneak preview for future Marvel projects to come. Perhaps Shang-Chi will be that. I don't know. Uh, Also coming out that weekend is Cinderella. That's going to be on Amazon Prime, so you can stay at home and watch that if you like. It is Kay Cannon's take on the classic Cinderella story. This one notable for having Bill Porter as a gender-neutral fairy godmother in, in this one, just called Fab G. On September the 10th, we get uh, Malignant, which is James Wan's next movie. It's the movie 
he did not make the Conjuring 3 in order to make, so I hope it's good. Um, not much is known about this. It's about someone who has, like, horrible murderous visions, and that's about all we know. The, the trailer doesn't lend much light to it, but James Wan is a great horror filmmaker. So, it's going to be interesting at least. Even his bad films, like Dead Silence, are at least interesting and very well made. Uh, I digress. Also on September the 10th, if you want to stay at home and stream, on Netflix they've got Kate, which is an action thriller uh, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, as an assassin of sorts. I'm looking forward to checking this out because she was really good uh, as the Huntress in Birds of Prey, so she, we, we know she can do action really, really well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if she can, you know, take the, take the action all the way, uh... From the beginning of one movie to another, uh, carrying it on her own. On September 17th, we get The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which, if you don't know the story of Tammy Faye Baker or Jim Baker, uh, Jim Baker was famous in, well, both Bakers. Uh, they were a married couple. They were famous in the 80s. They basically preached the prosperity doctrine. You send us money, and God will rain down money on you in return. Of course, Jim Baker turned out to be a degenerate. Not only was he selling uh, fraudulent real estate uh, to his quote-unquote parishioners, um, he was also paying off uh, a secretary of his uh, religious organization um, to keep quiet about an affair he had with her. Uh, this is focused on Tammy Faye Baker, who's very well known for her Let's call it lavish eye makeup. Jessica Chastain plays Tammy Faye. I have some... Let's call them reservations about the makeup <laughs> job they've done on Jessica Chastain to make her look like Tammy Faye. It almost looks like a bad Saturday Night Live sketch in that trailer. But the director is Michael Showalter, who made Lo um, The Big Sick and Lovebirds. I almost got it backwards. I almost called it Love Sick and... Um, <laughs> Big birds, I don't know. Uh, Michael Showalter is a really great director who can balance drama and comedy really, really well. So it might, there might be something here. I don't know. I'll have to reserve judgment. On that same weekend, we get Cry Macho, which is the new Clint Eastwood movie, still cranking them out at the age of 91. Um, this one, if you watch the trailer for it, it seems to be deconstructing his hit cowboy persona a lot actually not just this cowboy persona i recently like watched through the dirty harry movies and it's still over that too this looks like sort of macho man of silence quick draw image and like he, clint eastwood's character has this monologue in the trailer that basically tears all that apart so it'd be really interesting to watch this to see if um Eastwood really goes full hog and completely undermines <laughs> this career he built for himself as like the He-Man who comes in and solves the problems at the point of a gun. Um, I'll be really interested to see this. I'm, I'm interested to see every Clint Eastwood movie, but I'll be interested to see this especially. Um, on Netflix that weekend, we get The Starling, which um, stars Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd as a married couple dealing with the loss of a child. Um, if you watch the trailer, it's basically like crowd-pleasing, life-affirming, tiff Oscar bait BS. Um, but, I mean, it is from Theodore Melfi, who's a director I like a lot. And Melissa McCarthy is really, really good in just about everything she's in. So, she's also a really good dramatic actress. That's something she doesn't get to do quite enough. 
So I will watch it with reservations. Um, on September 24th, we get Dear Evan Hansen, which is based, of course, on the musical of the same name about a kid who tries to deal with his own anxiety by writing letters to himself. Um, this, uh, this particular letter, which is very insightful into his personality, is stolen by a classmate who then kills himself. And the people think that the letter is from the classmate who killed himself. And Evan Hansen ends up trying to figure out some stuff along the way. I, I don't know I don't know the musical that well. But again, I saw the trailer and it felt like Oscar schmaltzy to me. And uh, I'm just kind of not interested in that. I'm very interested in this, though. The Many Saints of Newark... I didn't think I'd be because it's a it's a prequel to the Sopranos, and it's not like I don't want to see more Sopranos, but like prequels, I I think are just basically substandard narratives, um, especially when you dedicate a whole movie or a whole series to a prequel. I just I don't get it um, because we know what happens to certain characters. But I will say I'm very fascinated by this to see the the rise of Tony Soprano. Uh, played by, in the movie, uh, his uh, James Gandolfini's real-life son, Michael Gandolfini, the spinning image of his father, by the way. Like, when you watch this trailer, you can see how this long-haired kid becomes, in 30, 30 years later, Tony Soprano. Um, so, I mean, it's a great cast. I've also tipped my hat to Vera Farmiga in the trailer, because she really captures that, like vainglorious disinterest in her child that uh, I can't remember the actress's name in the, the first seasons of The Sopranos who played Tony Soprano's mother, but she really nails that, that like that just complete and utter like dismissal of her own child, and it's only a couple of seconds in the trailer, but it's really really good, and so I'll be, I'll be very interested to see how all of this pans out when it comes out on October 1st. On that same weekend, we get Adam's Family Two, which is another animated movie, uh, the sequel to the Adams Family animated movie that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, I will note that it's about them going on vacation, and it, it's it stuck out in my mind that the last Hotel Transylvania movie <laughs> is about those, which is another character about like a loving, another movie about a loving family of monsters. Um, they went on vacation in Part Three, which is the last one to come out. We've been waiting for Trans Hotel Transylvania Part 4. It was supposed to come out in August. It was delayed uh, because of like the return of COVID and all that. Um, but now we're like waiting to see if it's going to get picked up somewhere. Rumor had it was going to be bought by Amazon um, and streamed on Amazon Prime. That Nothing formal has been announced yet, but it's probably to the benefit of Adam's Family 2 that it did not have... Um, Hotel Transylvania 4 come out last month. On October 8th, we get the big one, No Time to Die, the 25th James Bond movie, which was delayed um, way back <laughs> at the start of the pandemic. The, the, the publicity machine was really gearing up for No Time to Die, and then, you know, it was supposed to come out like two weeks after basically everything shut down. Um, but long before that, they were canceling screenings and the premiere, and it was just, it was, uh, it was nuts, and it was like the canary in a coal mine. Um, James Bond was delayed, and then we were hit by the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but it's really, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it looks good. Carrie Joji Fukunaga, uh, is, is directing. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is one of the screenwriters. It's supposedly Daniel Craig's swan song. 
as James Bond. Um, we have Remy Malek as the villain. Uh, rumor control says that he's playing Doctor. He's really playing Doctor No. We'll have to wait and see because we know how rumor control is. But it's got uh, Lashana Lynch as James Bond's replacement at MI6. And it's got Ana de Armas in it. Uh, Jeffrey Wright comes back. Christoph Waltz comes back. Ray Fiennes comes back. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited. Even though Spectre let me down, I'm excited. We'll see what happens. On October the 15th, we get Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is the sequel to Venom. Uh, once Upon a Time, a spinoff character from Spider-Man, although the relationship between movie Venom and movie Spider-Man is unknown at this time. Again, rumor control says there might be a Spider-Man appearance. We don't know. Uh, Woody Harrelson plays Carnage. Um, versus the comic book, it seems like um, instead of Venom sort of giving birth to a separate symbiote, it seems like um, in the movie uh, the Woody Harrelson character gets infected by Venom somehow, and that allows him to turn into a blob monster and we're off to the races, and it's going to be Venom versus Carnage. And uh, it's what everybody wants to see. Also, that same weekend, this is like a very busy couple of weeks at the box office, to be sure. On October 15th, we get Halloween Kills, which is a continuation of the 2018 reboot, requill, whatever, of Halloween from David Gordon Green. Uh, I'm interested in seeing this, not just because I love even the bad Halloween movies I watch, but because um, it, it really feels like they're going to do something different instead of like Michael Myers returning and hunting a bunch of a new bunch of teenagers. It's about how the town of Haddonfield comes together to hunt Michael Myers. Kind of a vigilante story it looks like, even more than uh, the 2018 film. So I'll be, you know, again, I'll be really interested to see if this sort of pays off where I think it's going to go. Um, Instead of just because this is kind of where it, it goes. Every time we reboot Halloween one way, um, we just start to sequelize it and start doing the same old, same old. It happened after Halloween H two O with Halloween Resurrection. It happened after the zombie Halloween with his Halloween two. It just you know uh, I really hope this this pays off and really does something different for once with a Halloween sequel. Um, also that weekend we get the Last Duel, which is based on a true story of the last duel in France in the 14th century. Uh, like a to-the-death duel, slap with glove across the face, glove slap. <laughs> Remember that song from The Simpsons? Uh, this is the first of two Ridley Scott movies coming out this fall. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon go back to their roots as screenwriters. They are co-screenwriters on the project. You have Adam Driver and Jodie Comer co-starring. And... It feels like it's going to be kind of more like Jodie Comer's story than it's going to be the Matt Damon-Adam Driver rivalry. She accuses uh, her husband, who is Matt Damon, his squire, who is Matt Driver, of raping her, and um, the duel ensues, as it were. So the next weekend, on October 22nd, we get Dune, Denis Villeneuve's highly anticipated, lavish, ambitious, Ambitious adaptation, star-studded too. Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Stellan Skarsgård, Jason Momoa, Zendaya, uh, Javier Bardem, Charlotte Rampling. Boy, that's a packed cast. And boy, is my suspicion that it's going to be great to watch, but it is going to bomb hard. 
I, this is going to be Blade Runner 2049 all over again. It's going to be a movie critics rave about, but the audience won't care much about. I, I, I hope that's not true. It is my feeling. Also this weekend, we get The French Dispatch, which is the new Wes Anderson movie. Again, very delayed because of COVID. Um, it looks to be, if you watch the trailer, uh, the most Wes Anderson movie yet, uh, which is really saying something. But, um, yeah, it could be fun. I think it could be fun. Um, it, it depends on, I think, your mood sometimes, if you can tolerate the Wes Anderson-ness of the Wes Anderson movie. It's about uh, three foreign bureaus of a Kansas newspaper that is making its last edition, so kind of timely, too. Lastly, on that weekend, we get Jackass Forever. Uh, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, and so to wrap up October, we get Last Night in Soho, which is this kind of twisty horror thriller um, by Edgar Wright. So this could be like his horror. What what he did, what he does for horror with Last Night in Soho could be akin to what he did for action movies with Baby Driver. So it could be very, very interesting indeed. Uh, it has Anna Taylor-Joy and Thomason McKenzie um, basically playing the same character. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie is in the modern era. Anna Taylor-Joy is how she sees herself when she time travels back to the 60s when she goes to bed at night. And the, the timelines start to overlap. Um, we also get this weekend on Netflix, we get Army of Thieves, which is the spin-off prequel of Army of the Dead. So if it's anything like Army of the Dead, it's going to be profoundly disappointing. Um, <laughs> we also get Antlers, which is a supernatural horror movie from Scott Cooper, uh, about a kid with a supernatural creature in his house. So that is your September and October movie release schedule, assuming nothing goes wrong, because what are the odds? Speaking of nothing going wrong, we are reviewing the con opening film from this year's festival. Annette, that is our review. We will be right back. You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Conductor of the city's finest orchestra. No longer the self-deprecating accompanist from such a short while ago. Anne would be proud of me. I do have my suspicions, though, about why she isn't alive. And doubts, too, about something else. But excuse me a minute. 
And that was a clip from Annette. It is the new film from Leos Carax, and it stars Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, Simon Helberg, Devin McDowell, and Sparks. Alrighty, I am now on the line with Tim Phillips. Tim, how is it going? It's going well, Adam. Uh, yeah, getting into the late summer here. Nice weather. Uh, thanks for letting me know what day the election is, so I'll get out and vote. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Thanks. I had I the month in- right, but I just didn't know the day, so that was helpful. Well, you were halfway there, so it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you knew it was September. And um, I mean, granted, you might have missed it, uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about elections. We're here to talk about that's the other show. We're here to talk about Annette, yeah. which um, has been on the watch list since uh, it premiered in Cannes earlier this year, uh, at least for me. And then when you drew it out of the hat, I was uh, very pleased. But Tim, why did you want to check out Annette to start things off? Yeah, Adam. Well, my wife pointed this film out to me when we were uh, watching Amazon Prime. It showed up as a, a new movie. Uh, and for free too, which was pretty awesome. And it, we're big fans of Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard, and so it was pretty awesome. They have a new movie out for free on Amazon Prime, free with subscription. So, <laughs> wanted to check it out. And then I found out that the film's directed by Leo's Carax, who directed Holy Motors, mm-hmm. um, which achieved universal acclaim. Uh, the Guardian. The New York Times, Sight and Sound, The Village Voice, I'll put it in the top 10 uh, for 2012. And Film Comment and IndieWire ranked it as the best movie of 2012. And so did Cahiers du Cinema, also rated as best movie of 2012. And the BBC ranked Holy Motors 16th best movie of the 21st century mm-hmm. in their critics poll. And, and you know what? Uh, my wife and I watched Holy Motors uh, shortly after it came out. And uh, we both thought it was, at the time, a stupid piece of crap. (laughs) (laughs) So so it was with some trepidation that after I found out he was directing that I still went ahead and reached out to you and sent you that email saying, let's do a net at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And luckily you changed it to let's review a net. On Saturday at 11 a.m. Um, but uh, I was actually uh, pleasantly surprised with the film, actually, considering what I thought of Holy Motors. And it actually makes me maybe want to go back and watch Holy Motors again. Maybe mm. I think something. But this movie is weird. It's gonzo. It's out there. But I was quite entertained, and I, I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed it a lot too, although I I think there are some pretty obvious um, I don't want to say problems or flaws or anything like that. It just there, there's there are moments that kind of strain my patience with. <laughs> with <the laughs> movie. Um, I'm curious to know how like this was like funded, like how like they pitched it, like it's it's like a fifteen million dollar movie 15 16 million dollar budget which is i mean that's not avengers endgame money but it's you know still a pretty significant sum you have to raise um if you're doing this kind of 
if you're doing this like kind of independently, which which it was, I'm curious. Just you know, okay, so we're doing like a rock opera musical thing. It's music <laughs> by Sparks, yeah. and it's about a stand-up comedian who's like not really funny. Who's like kind of Andy <laughs> Kaufman esque, and then. He falls in love with this opera singer, but you don't see them fall in love. It just starts with them being in love, and then they have a kid. And get this, the kid is a marionette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then some stuff. Well, I, I mean, I, yeah. The, the, the pitch meeting just has to just had to have been nuts. Like I, I can <laughs> only assume everyone who gave money to this was like a huge Sparks fan and just wanted to like do good by them because I have I do not understand how. Anyone explain this movie, sold this movie, pitched this movie? I'm glad they did, <laughs> but I yeah. have no idea how, how you how you do an yeah. elevator pitch for Annette. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it, well, it was produced by Adam Driver, so he probably was a, a driving force behind it too. He not only stars in it, he produced it, and then just going back to us having some fun there with all the the critical reviews for Holy Motors, which came out about nine years ago. Um, it seems like this director, Leo's Carax, he, uh, probably has some trouble getting funding because his movies are so weird and they're probably not <laughs> box office hits. Right. Yeah. Um, but he has that reputation, right. When the BBC is saying it's 16th best movie of the century, um, usually somebody will give you a shot mm. and then Sparks, which is interesting. I don't know. Had you heard of Sparks before this movie? The, I was aware yeah. of them, and I know. I mean, it's been a big year for Sparks because um, they also have that Edgar Wright documentary as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of like Anvil. Like until like you saw the Anvil documentary, you might have been like vaguely aware of Anvil. Um, I I have. I mean, I'm not a music person by any stretch, but I that's kind of my experience with Sparks. Is like I knew of them, but I was I could not say I was a fan of their music or would be able to identify any of their songs. No, yeah, same same with me, and I'm I'm probably more of a music geek. I get real, I'm really into a lot of music, especially a lot of retro music from the '70s and '80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hadn't heard of this duo, and then I read about the Edgar Wright documentary, and then I read about like how many bands they've influenced, like New Order, Joy Division, The Smiths, Bjork, mm-hmm. and they've done albums with Franz Ferdinand. And they collaborated with Giorgio Moroder back in the 1970s, which was, you know, he did Donna Summer records back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're a top, top act in the UK and a cult act in North America. And I'm like, this is weird. I've never even heard of this band. But I would say one of my favorite moments in this film was at the very start mm-hmm. um, when, <laughs> when they've got mm-hmm. that song. Uh, what was it? Um, so may we start? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the very start, <laughs> if they break down the fourth wall, and the members of Sparks, I, I think that was them. They're on there singing. So may we start? May we start the movie? Can you sit down? We're going to start the movie. Yeah, and it was really funny. I I just really like that. Just breaking down the fourth wall and getting in, and the song was really catchy. And then um, Adam Driver starts singing. Marianne Cotard starts singing. Can we? start can we start the movie now so that was that was interesting but it was so random right and some of my favorite movie moments in the movie are the more random ones like it has this 
operatic through story about uh, the married couple and and their problem pr problems with fame. Uh, they're somehow really famous, although one's an opera singer and one's like you said, an Andy Kaufman uh, style comedian. But they're hyper famous, and the gossip rags are chasing them around. Um, but you know that story is interesting. But I, I found some of the just the throwaway moments I really liked, like so may we start at the beginning and the camera movement was amazing as well. I really liked the cinematography for that. Um, and that's a moment. And then there's a, a supporting character in it. Um, Simon Helberg, who most people would know from, uh, as H Howard Wallowitz on the big bang theory. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's like two small moments with him. He becomes, becomes more of a pivotal character later on in the film, but there's two moments where, with him, one where he's playing piano for uh, Marianne Cotard's character and the opera singer. And he's just like, I'm the accompanist. I'm just a lowly <laughs> accompanist. He's just talking. I'm an accompanist. I want to be a composer, but I'm just a lowly accompanist. And it's just so funny. And then later on, he does become a conductor. And I just thought it was so funny. Like he's conducting the orchestra and he's, he, he's talking about he's professing his love for Anne. he's like i love her so much i love her so much and he's like oh could you hold on a second and then he gets back to conducting the orchestra and i'm like it's it's i like this sort of fun playful throwaway moments almost as much as as much as the plot um but yeah it, it was interesting but it's really a really weird movie and a lot of it's really artificial but I think in a fun, fun way. And the director, you can tell he's a real outsider, right? Like the fact that he does have this world famous opera singer and this, you know, unfunny, often stand up comic who's like really popular for some reason. And they're followed by the gossip rags around and they're, everyone wants to find out more about their personal life. And it's like, in reality, would that even happen? Or would there be a, uh, a a child singing opera star at the halftime of the Super Bowl? You know, so it's kind of <laughs> like, it's like this French director seeing American culture in this sort of weird, weird prism, which could be, I think could be annoying sometimes. But for this, I actually found it and I, I rolled with it. And I think it was a lot because of that, so may we start at the beginning because I sort of had low expectations given what I thought of Holy Motors. So when So May, May We Start started and the movie started, I was like, okay, I can get into this. This is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes down a lot of strange alleyways and stuff. Uh, and there's a, a lot of dark moments. But I think you just, with this, you have to suspend disbelief. And you're watching really like, yeah, you're watching an opera, <laughs> you know? This weird weirdo opera, um, you know, for well over two hours, but it kept me entertained the whole time, and uh, yeah, I, I I definitely recommend it. Um, even though you might get you might be talking now out about some of the maybe pitfalls and <laughs> all that, I thought it was really interesting to watch. Oh, it's definitely interesting to watch. I mean, this is like, yeah. I mean. You you were engaged with it even like at the parts when you, 
at least for me, when you're kind of haunted by the marionette doll that plays in uh, Annette. Um, and this is where I'll, I'll kind of like jump off a couple of things you said, like in praise of the film, like Simon Helberg, he, I, I forgot how like straight up talented he is. Cause like Howard Wolowitz was like, kind of like <laughs> the worst character on big bang, <laughs> but, um, it, it, but like also kind of like the typical sitcom sleaze bag, which is kind of like, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, Dan Fielding from Night Court or um, like Carla from Cheers. It's like, you know, it it's kind of like the easiest character to play, the easiest character to get laughs. But, it, it you know, it's, it's also kind of just like a blatantly thankless part. But I mean, he's got real talent, though, and. Um, he also played the accompanist in uh, the the Meryl Streep movie Florence Foster Jacob uh, Jacobs Jenkins, yeah. and um, so he must have like some actual piano skill um, that he's he's putting to to work here. I mean, it, like he's he's had like an amazing career, and I just feel like if this helps like lift him up, then like that's enough because like he. You know, he did Derek and Simon with like Zach Galifianakis and Bill Hader, and um, you know he was like he was one of the like members of the sketch show on Studio sixty. Um, he was the guy who was like who did all the impressions. He was like the Daryl Hammond Daryl Hammond of Studio sixty. So like this is this is someone who has like real honest to god talent. I just I wish that and and I wish that they had expended that character a bit more. And like that whole scene you're talking about where he's like. I'm the accompanist, da 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 da. My life sucks because all I do is <laughs> sit here and play piano and follow along. And it's just like, uh, as you were talking, I'm sort of reminded of um, in Tenant with uh, John David Washington's always going around, but I'm the protagonist. And it's just like, <laughs> stop it, stop it, stop saying this <laughs> because you know, it's, it's too meta. We're now too meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, just give this person a name so that you don't have Adam Driver going on. Well, it is my companyist friend. Why don't you come into my lounge? <laughs> it's. I mean, I I could sort of I'm okay with it because of a little because of the hyper realisticness of of Annette, but I mean it get it, it really wears on you like the fiftieth time in Tenant where where John David Washington says, "But I'm the protagonist anyway." Um, but yeah, the 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 may we start sequence and being i loved 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 it loved it because it's um it starts in this studio the sparks start singing they lead the procession out of the studio down the street and they're joined by driver and coltyard and helberg and it's all done in like kind of a single shot i don't think i don't think they even faked it i think it was like all one single shot for like five minutes as they're walking down this street in la um from the studio down the street they stop in an alley for a minute and then they keep going down the street to where adam driver gets on a bike and murray and coltyard gets in the back of a of an uh, suv or something but they also do a costume change in the middle <laughs> as they're as they're walking along too it is such a you know I, I love that technicality um it is such a it's such a confident move because you need that precision um Everyone has to know the, their their places, what comes in when, who comes in where, and it is just it's just such a bold way to start this thing, especially if you're walking into it like I was, like not kind of fully aware of of what the movie was and what it was about. I knew it was like a musical, and I knew yeah. it had Adam Driver and 
Marion Cotillard. I did not know about the marionette child. I wish I had, so I could have been <laughs> properly prepared. <laughs> but you it's know, funny. You... I just wa- I just watched Team America the other day, so it's like again, well, I, uh, it's weird timing. Yeah, the Marion marionette. I'm just like this is weird. But that's like all yeah. marionettes. So if it's like an all marionette world. Um, you, you, it, it's easy to get into, but when it's like there is one marionette, it, it it's awkward. Yeah, it, but you know, but you know what? What? Uh, let me before before I let you uh, come back in. Let me just say this: the person who made me buy the marionette was Simon Helberg, because there's that scene where he's babysitting her, and he's he's like sitting there singing to her and singing this like love song that we're meant to think that. You know, the the Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard characters staying together, but he apparently wrote for her, and it's so tender, it's so emotional, and he's singing it to this marionette, and I'm like, okay, maybe I can buy the, <laughs> the poor marionette song, <laughs> but it's Simon Helper that sells it. Nobody else, like until that moment, I was like, oh, I I I was like, I was like horrified because there's there's even a scene at one point where. The doll is standing in, uh, like, you can see the outline of it. And you can see the red hair. It's standing in a doorway. And, you know, you mentioned Team America. I will mention Chucky. I had that immediate vision <laughs> of just, like, a doll with red hair. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, you know, how can, I mean, maybe, maybe Leos Carax hasn't seen Chucky, uh, any of the Chucky movies. I mean, there are seven of them, so how could he not? But maybe he hasn't. But... Um, I mean, I just immediately had that vision. But again, it was Simon Helberg did the hard work and made me believe in the marionette, and maybe that's that's where I'll leave any, any of the rest <laughs> yeah. of the discussion. About the marionette. I did eventually yeah. buy. It. <laughs> yeah, he was real. He was really committed. I would say, yeah, yeah, with him. And I think before that, he wasn't singing. He was just speaking, like we said about being the accompanist or. Uh, Wanting to, or just talking, doing an aside to the audience watching the movie when he was conducting. And there he started singing sort of tenderly. Before that, you're wondering, I was, I was wondering, like, does he sing or is he just going to talk for his parts? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's singing this really sweet song to the, to the child. And that marionette was kind of strange looking as well. Like, they made some choices with... Um, how its ears would look and like facial features, which were kind of interesting. And yeah, it makes me, I was wondering like, is this going to, I was probably had Chucky in the back of my mind too. And I was just thinking, (laughs) where's this going? Or is this like, you know, like a racer head or something, you know, with the, the baby in the, Mm -hmm. in the apartment, like, where's where, you know, is this going to go more like horror style, but it just, it, it kind of just, kept up with that sort of like opera that over the top opera uh style throughout which was interesting you know i i think too like it's just it it sort of is a master class in style the the film like you see like you're talking about the camera movements at the start Mm -hmm. um it looked like one take really impressive and just throughout and I almost think now like if you just strip away the music and the camera movements and stuff you know or, and it's a couple of committed performances what do you have from a story and it's a really sort of 
basic story operatic about jealousy, um, husband to his more successful wife, and then, you know, um, exploiting their child to make their, them a child star. It's, you know, it's stuff that we've seen many times before, but it's just all these flourishes really make it, I think, really make it something interesting, something you haven't seen before. Uh, but it's just, you know, otherwise it's pretty, pretty basic and kind of be pretty basic and kind of dumb, really, I think, in a way, um, without that. Uh, but I would say you're saying Simon Helberg, I'd say Adam Driver, like he was really committed to his character. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes he's over the top. So I don't know when you're talking about believability, if I was always mm. really, totally believing him, but he definitely <laughs> went out there. Like he definitely was going like method in this role, like to really, he really was, you know, giving it his all, um, considering, you know, <laughs> what he has, he's, he becomes like the the only caregiver for the, the marionette and the child at one point. And he's, you know, he's doing that stand up routine, which was supposed to be like a bad boy, kind of like you're saying Andy Kaufman, but like mm-hmm. even more of a bad boy in a way and not, and he really, he's just jumping around a lot of physicality. Um, I think I commend him for being that, that committed. And the fact that the movie has all those flourishes and it's like, I think like a stylistic sort of masterclass that helps him. Cause otherwise I think it makes his performance seem, seem really good. Otherwise he might be in like Razzie territory. If, if, if he wasn't surrounded by all this, uh, you know, the strengths of everything, the cinematography, the other acting, the, the directing. Yeah. He he was walking a very fine wire. I mean, this was like almost like like little Nicky territory, and I mean like the Adam Sandler movie where he he goes like so far into like the Adam Sandler character that it 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 crosses the line from people going along with it to completely turning people off. And I think I think Adam Driver was like because this does feel like the ultimate like Adam Driver performance. Because it like incorporates like all aspects of, of of like, the sort of the things that made him him like. There's shades of like, mar- his character from Marriage Story in it, where he's like this artist, like this misunderstood mm-hmm. artist nobody gets, and uh, like his jokes are so real, like he dares you to laugh at them, and uh, <laughs> you know there's the impetuousness of like Kylo Ren, his Star Wars character. Um, there's like even the whole bit where he like comes out on stage and he's performing in like uh, a robe and boxer shorts and he's you know he's like bare chested and he's ripped and like there's a bit of that like the recurring gag the recurring gag from the John Oliver show about how he <laughs> about like the the raw sexuality of Adam Driver <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like it's like all of this it's like it it's it's an Adam driver buffet of, of, of like the things that, that sort of uh, have, have like, like people have glommed onto him as a character. So I, I do kind of wonder how much of that is. Cause you, as you said, he's a producer, like how much of that is just like pure driver and how much of that was maybe in the, in the movie's DNA. But I mean, yeah, I, I do agree. It's, he is going for it. 
every minute of this film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even at times when maybe um, where, where Leah's correct should be like maybe bringing it back, like especially during some of those stand-up comedy routines. But um, I, I, I never like he is so committed and and I mean, it is mesmerizing to watch it in places for sure. Yeah, and the the stand-up routines, yeah, it's just sort of, it's he's just really going for it. And then making the audience uncomfortable, you know, uh, when it gets really dark in a stand-up routine, I think he does a great job with that. Like you were saying, it's hard to, it was hard for me to believe that he was like a stand-up comic who could really make people laugh at any point, you know, because um, it's more performance art, right? And he does a great job with that. And like you said, think of him in like marriage story and, uh, you know, I, there, a movie I really liked with him was Patterson, which he was really understated Ooh. in, which is kind of different than this, but the complete he, opposite of the <laughs> Yeah. He's an incredible actor. The fact that he's going in these different directions. Um, and yeah, he's just totally, totally into it and the fact that he would produce something like this just shows that he really wants to stretch himself artistically which is which is good to see you know there's a number of hollywood actors who, who try to do that but so many just fall into the same you know money makers and aren't really trying to do anything different so yeah well, that it, was it's it's interesting i mean i'm just i just called up his his um what do you call it filmography here so yeah from 2015 where he's i mean by that point he was like mostly well known for um for girls the hbo show but it, from 2015 where he's in the first star wars movie after that he does midnight special patterson silence the martin scorsese movie where he, i think he was one of the leads in that the Merowitz stories lucky logan and then he comes back around to Star Wars. And then after that, he does Black Klansman, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, uh, The Report, which I don't think a lot of people saw, but I think it's on. It's still on Prime, where it's about like covering up like war crimes during the, the war in Afghanistan. <laughs> Timely. Uh, yeah. Then he's in Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. He's in Marriage Story. Then he comes back to Star Wars. And his, his next films, I mean, this almost kind of feels like a departure, but you know, he's in a net. But then he's in the next two Ridley Scott movies, which are The Last Duel on the House of Gucci, which feel like he's finally coming around to bracing that stardom. But, I mean, his story of the last few years between the Star Wars movies, he's doing, like, the exact opposite of anything kind of Hollywood blockbustery. So he clearly doesn't feel comfortable in that realm. He'll take the money, but as soon as he's done, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he will run the other way and do, like... You know this this project Terry Gilliam's been working on for thirty years, or this like weirdo Jim Jarmusch zombie movie, um, or you know something like the Merowitz stories, which like three people will watch on Netflix, even though it's Noah Baumbach. But I mean, <laughs> he's yeah. or, or this like <laughs> this movie about you know Christian missionaries in China that Martin yeah. Scorsese is making. He he does not yeah. want to be a star. And I think yeah. that's that's one of the things that people find appealing. He's got like real star power, even though he doesn't look like a star and he doesn't act like a star. But there you, you are drawn to him as a performer. For sure, yeah. And that the, the one movie we, we 
talked about a little briefly there, but Patterson, I thought he was incredible in that. In mm-hmm. Jim Jarmusch movie, which is about a, a poet bus driver, you know, a bus driver who just does his regular routine and writes poetry on his bus um, during breaks. And uh, I thought, you know, he was uh, so good in that. And that's, a, that's, like you said, the opposite of Annette, uh, sort of a realist film as opposed to a hyper-realist film here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think he's, yeah, he's got an incredible backstory too. He was in the military and I think one of his causes is doing theater for the, for military personnel. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very theatrical. Like my wife and I are saying, it'd be interesting to see him on stage in something. Cause you do in this movie, right. As the stand-up comic, but seeing him in an actual like play would be kind of interesting. Uh, definitely interesting. I think, and then I think he w- he was totally committed. Uh, Marianne Cotillard, I think she sings in it. I know she's a singer, um, so that I I thought she was really good in it too. I think she could have maybe had more to her role in mm. in respect. Um, but it's kind of like the Adam Driver show, right? So yeah. Uh, um, but she was she was excellent. And then I don't know if we should talk about the ending. But um. <laughs> let let's let people discover it for themselves. But um, okay. it, it's it's funny. I am right now looking at a picture of young Adam Driver in his Marine dress blues. He was uh, he was one of these kids who enlisted after again timely the the nine eleven attacks. Um, he was assigned to Weapons Company First Battalion First Marines as an eighty one millimeter mortar man. Uh, and he served for almost three years until he uh, broke his sternum while uh, mountain biking, and he was medically discharged as a lance corporal. So I mean, he didn't see any action, but I mean, he has an impressive record. It's um, oh, yeah, it's a, he's a this, he's an interesting dude. <laughs> he, he's a, he's very eccentric. I yeah. I saw him once on a talk show. It might have been like the Cole Bear show, like yeah, late night with Colbert. Um, late show with Colbert um, and he was they were showing a clip from one of his movies but he hates to see himself like he gets like nauseous so he almost walked off like it was like a you know in late night talk shows there aren't a lot of real moments they're always trying to have gags and jokes but he was kind of like he was upset that they were showing a clip of one of his movies um, well, well famously he walked off the walked out of the studio uh while he was being to be interviewed by Terry Gross at Fresh Air because she played a clip, and that's audio. <laughs> <laughs> that was just audio. Wow. So it's wow. he's he's a character for sure. Um, yeah, but it's to to bring it back to the movie. I think we've had enough of the Adam Driver Appreciation Hour, but the <laughs> like the the movie itself. It, I saw somebody sum this up online that it's, it's like Annette's going to be one of those movies you either love it or hate it. Um. I love it, even though I have some difficulty with parts of it, and one of them is the length. I think he could. I think they could have shaved about twenty minutes off this, and it would have been fine. But um, I, I think I appreciate the boldness. I appreciate the brazenness. I liked a lot of the music in it. I liked the performances. I liked how committed everyone was. I loved the production design, like their their house, like in the middle of the woods. I loved it. Uh, the cinematography was um, was 
you know, it just bright and crisp, like even the night scenes, um, like real care was taken to sort of capture every frame. Uh, it was beautiful to watch. Um, and it's daring. And, uh, you know, it's so hard to get. I would have loved to have seen this in a bookshelf in the bookshelf, like the actual bookshelf cinema with an audience, because I think it's one of those movies that you kind of. If if you catch it with the right crowd, it really kind of elevates because you can feel that energy as as you're sort of watching and you can enjoy the. You can, it's a bit easier to <laughs> swallow the pill of the marionette child if you're enjoying it in the group, I think. But I, I think um, I think I would have liked to have seen this with an audience. But having said that, I, I, I find it challenging in all the best ways. And I found it enjoyable um, in a lot of respects, too. And um, I'm glad it exists. I'm not sure I would recommend it. I'm not sure I would watch it again, but I'm glad it exists. Yeah, and you mentioned again about the cinematography. It's a female cinematographer. I thought she did an excellent job. Caroline, Caroline Champetier, who does yeah. the cinematography. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you say with the audience, that's always fun. Like, that's the thing. A lot of people think, oh, I, I want to go to a theater to see the big action movie, right? Like, why do I need to see although this one has music, so it would be good in a theater, but mm -hmm. uh, often people, you know, I've heard people say, oh, why would I see like an independent movie in a, in a cinema? Because uh, I could just see that at home. I want to see more of the action and stuff in the, in the theaters, but it is fun to watch something that's really polarizing with mm -hmm. a crowd and have those people who are really into it. And then those other people are like scratching their heads and you can tell, <laughs> you can tell they're kind of, <laughs> You know, they're they're uh, not not enjoying it. I I think that can be fun too, and mm -hmm. make your point. Seeing this, you know, you'd have the en energy of the crowd. Uh, a lot of people are into it, and a lot of people are angry about it, probably too, which would be which would be a fun way to fun way to watch it. So, well, it's also harder to walk out of a movie in a crowd because, like, I I have a feeling like. And I had this feeling too for a bit, like halfway through like his first stand-up routine, I was like, "Oh God, how long does this go on?" <laughs> it's like I wish I could just stop this right now, but of course we're reviewing it, so I have to watch it all the way through. But um, I just had I just had it in the back of my head. It's like if I was just like watching this on my own, and I had to sit here and I had to watch Adam Driver like be the what what was his like moniker as as a stand up comedian the the gorilla of god or the ape of god or something like that is just like yeah. i do not, i do not like this person i do not like this persona <laughs> but you have to get through to the other side in order to enjoy the rest of the film but um it's yeah it's it it's it's a bit harder to walk out of the movie when you actually make the point to go to the movie but uh we'll have to leave that there uh tim if people want to find you on the internet uh where can they get in touch with you uh, Flash in the deadpan on social media, Twitter, Facebook. And uh, yeah, that'd be the best way to reach me. And that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it, and we hope that you are as glad that we are back as we are, so to speak. <laughs> if you want to listen to this show again, you can find it anytime at our website, endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday on Podbean, or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. Speaking of your Spotify app, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the End Credits Show. Just search for End Credits on CFRU in Spotify. You can find us on social media, on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I will be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics 
with Scotty Hertz on Open Sources Guelph. In case you didn't hear, there's an election on. You can find me anytime, the rest of the time, <laughs> at my Twitter and Instagram handle at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can go to guelphpolitico.ca for my news and politics site. And stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We'll be back next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another brand new episode of End Credits, and we will see you then. <laughs>